Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our text for our meditation here this morning is recorded in Psalm 30. We read the whole psalm in the ESV translation. A psalm of David, a song of the dedication of the temple. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cry to you for help, and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought my soul from Sha'ol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face, and I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord my God, I give thanks to you forever. These are your words, Heavenly Father. Sanctify us to your truth. Your word is truth. Amen. You may be seated. When my wife was a child, she thought, you have turned my morning into dancing, it meant that Christians were to dance in the morning. When I was a child and I heard the words, it is truly good, right, and salutary, I thought it meant that the church had to be thoroughly sanitized before Holy Communion could be celebrated. Perhaps some of the expressions of Christianity still seem like Greek to us. However, the metaphors of the Bible are so rich that it pays to spend some time unpacking them. After all, everything we've ever learned was once foreign to us. Let us then meditate on this theme. You have turned my sadness into dancing. Since the precise context of this psalm is a bit unclear, it can have a couple of legitimate applications to the Christian life. King Hezekiah may have prayed it when God ultimately extended his life. The prophet Jeremiah may also have done the same when he was released from the cistern. However, the superscription, as you see it in the bulletins before you, connects this psalm with King David and the dedication of the temple. Therefore, it seems that David wrote it when he failed to trust in God's protection and conducted a census of his fighting men instead. As a result of this single act of pride, a plague befell the Israelites, killing some 70,000 until it had run its course. In repentance, King David bought land for the temple, offered sacrifices upon it, and may have composed this very psalm 
in order to dedicate it. For King David's pride seems evident in the following words. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. You see, God created us so that we might reflect his image and make his name holy among all that we encounter. But David conversely wanted his own likeness and his own accomplishments celebrated as well. For pride is nothing more than another form of unbelief that ultimately ends up hurting others even more than it hurts ourselves. Now popular opinions aside, God didn't make us to scratch some narcissistic itch. Rather, he made us in his image and in his likeness so that everyone would see and hear Christ in all that we say and do. This is evident even in our sermon, or even in our text here this morning. For as David makes clear, one of the purposes of our gathering here together in worship is to confess to the greater Mankato community that Jesus alone is the way, the truth, and the life. David writes, To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Our pride's refusal to recognize all good things come from God alone is one of the reasons why Jesus often isn't reflected in our words and our deeds and even in our own chapel participation. It's that very same pride that keeps us from befriending those people on the fringes here at this campus who need us the most. For our pride has no problem trashing a classmate or a teacher or a student or a colleague. But truth be told, pride can only endure at the expense of others. Oh, what a failure of the image of God we each have truly become. For just like old Ebenezer Scrooge, we'll do anything to avoid confronting all that our pride has done. We can't even bear the thought of that cold, dark grave that we each rightly deserve. For how often have we driven a classmate to despair or even thoughts of suicide because of the bullying that we participated in? If one of our loved ones were suddenly taken home to heaven tonight, how guilt-wooden would we be because we never seem to have any time for them? The sinful acts of pride hurt so much because sin isn't natural in the first place. This is why it takes a divine act of recreation to make us whole again. But if we repent of our pride, rest assured, we too can sing the words of David, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. Of course, deliverance doesn't always come immediately. And to be honest, sometimes we each need to suffer a bit in order to, for our own spiritual benefit. And yet, with the eyes of faith, we even see amid those trials when we come out of them, we can say these words, his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. 
Now, the early Latin church fathers had an additional perspective on this psalm. They understood verse 3 exactly as the the ESV translation I read before you today renders it. The fathers were convinced that this psalm spoke of Christ's resurrection and the new temple of his body, the church. For you see, he is the good shepherd who undoes every act of pride that we have ever committed. He goes after the outcasts. He absolves sinners. He even cares for those who wished him harm. Then as the new temple not made by human hands, he drew all of human sin into himself and atoned for it via the self-immolation of his own holy person. Finally, he he incorporates each one of us into his death and resurrection through water and the word so that we, as the new temple of Christ, might have new life and forgiveness that only his selfless act could accomplish. Even then, he keeps renewing that baptismal covenant with us each and every time we confess our sins of pride and receive once again his life-giving word of holy absolution. As a result of this first resurrection of faith, we can't help but sing these words, O Lord, you have brought my soul from Sha'ol. You have restored to me life from among those who go to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints. Give thanks to his holy name. See what happens when everything that we are is regrounded on Christ alone. Others hear us sing about all the great things that our God has done for us, and they in turn pick up our joyful chorus and inspire still others. For what happens to us here in chapel inevitably translates into our daily lives. People begin to hear Jesus in what we say. People begin to see Jesus in what we do. For we are the christened, the new temple of Christ, the ones that bear Christ to a Christ-starved world until the second coming and the resurrection, the second resurrection on the last day. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we have a remedy for a world that's gone mad. We have an antidote for human pride. We have the love of Jesus that builds up but never puffs up. For who else but a Christian can sing these words? You have turned from me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord my God, I give thanks to you forever. Amen.